before we introduce the special guest, we're gonna I'm gonna introduce Mike Maybell, who's gonna introduce our special guest. And uh, and Mike, Mike, you know, has been at the church for a long time. But but uh, but Mike and Judy, how long were you guys up in the Bay Area? Fifteen years. Fifteen years. Wow, man, it felt felt like a like a like a heartbeat that you were up there and back. Yeah. So Mike and Judy were up there, and uh, of course Mike has done a lot of work um, for chairing for many years our Cliff Drive Care Center. Man, there's so much about the infant care program we have that you can link right back to Mike Maybell. So, so we appreciate his work. Of course, a lot of service in our church and other areas with men's ministry and other things. But I know that Mike has a heart for this program. And so I'm going to let Mike introduce Bruce. Thank you very much, Mark. So it's my pleasure to introduce Bruce Mays, the recovery pastor at Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto. Bruce will speak on recovery ministry and God's faithfulness. The PBC Recovery Ministry is a particularly effective place for homeless addicts to come, feel welcome, have fellowship, and learn that God and Jesus are indeed the higher power they need to be redeemed from addiction. I know this firsthand because I served as the recovery pastor's administrator for seven years, ending in 2010, when we moved back to Santa Barbara, Judy and I. Founded in 2002, this 21-year-old PBC recovery ministry welcomes not just believers, but everyone, and has the following principal components. Friday night recovery celebration, recovery and renewal called R&R, which includes a full dinner for 50 to 180 people, gospel-inspired live music, teaching and testimony and sharing, then there's a recovery men's Bible study and a recovery women's Bible study. Very importantly, there is a church service for those in recovery, a special church service for those in recovery called Step Closer. It features food, gospel music, prayer, and very importantly and uniquely, an interactive sermon targeted at new believers. So if you're going to preach at Step Closer, you better be ready. Uh, sharing. And then uh, another uh, very important part of the ministry component is a halfway house for recovering addicts called Our Brother's Home, which provides transitional housing for up to two years. Uh, then there's recovery retreats for men, women, and all. It kind of They kind of mix it up as to what's going to happen what year. There's an annual recovery car show fundraiser, which is kind of a new component. And in addition, Peninsula Bible Church facilitates uh, AA meetings at their facility. So I first met Bruce about 2004 when we both attended the Men Recovery Bible Study. At that time, we were both alcohol addicts in recovery, and Bruce was a wannabe stand-up comedian. <laughs> By God's grace, Bruce has matured to be recently named the lead recovery pastor, replacing the legendary Andy Burnham. So, Bruce... Okay, so uh, like Mike was saying, it, you know, being ready to teach at um, Step Closer is an R&R. &R, um, it's not up to me, and that's the good thing. That's the one thing that I learned about um, about serving the Lord is it's not up to me. It's not it's not my strength or my wisdom or anything. And what's happened over time is I've learned to rely on the Lord for things that I thought I was completely unworthy for or unprepared for. 
But every time I stepped out and, and something that the Lord put in front of me, he's provided for me every time. And it's an exciting way to live. It's very scary sometimes because sometimes they have me uh, host the main service where there's, you know, 400 sets of eyes on you. And that gets kind of hot up there on the stage. Um, but, you know, that's the whole key is living in the spirit is not relying on our own strength, and our own our own wisdom. And that's the part that you have to learn. And every time um, I've done that, he's always given me success at it. Every time I thought I had it and I got this God, it falls apart and it doesn't feel right. There's no life in it. And so really for me, it's all about life, right? It's about having life. Um, So this morning, so I am from Peninsula Bible Church. Let's see, start slideshow. And this is a brand new laptop, so bear with me. Um, So I just have a few pictures here. um, And I'm going to qualify myself for being in recovery, I was, um, I was brought up with uh, five sisters and a very abusive father. And um, there was I, everything, all love was conditional when I was growing up. And um, if I didn't meet his expectations, I didn't get love. I got, I got uh, physically abused. Uh, I had, all my five sisters got abused. And so I quickly turned to, to something for comfort. I quickly turned to food. That was my first source of comfort because I could get it. And that was, you know, fourth, fifth grade when that started to happen. And as you can see, it's still something I struggle with. Um, but then I discovered alcohol in sixth grade, um, and then I was off to the races. I discovered alcohol and marijuana and started smoking those. And, and, and the thing about addiction is, the thing about whatever your addiction is, it works for a while. But then trouble starts to come in, so it's, it's, it's fun, and then it's fun with trouble, and then it's nothing but trouble. And that's what my addiction was. I lost jobs, I lost family members I lost, uh, which I have back now, but I lost pretty much everything that was worthwhile. And I, and I really, at one point, was ready to, to just kill myself because I did not want to live anymore because it was too painful. But I found out when I, when I set out to kill myself that I was too scared to do that, and I couldn't do that. I, I was too scared to live. I was too scared to die. And that's what made me reach out to God. That's why I really love serving them recovery ministry because those people are desperate for God. The people's lives that are working, it's harder to reach them. The people that are desperate, they're much easier to, to, to reach because, and then I can tell them, look what happened to me. Look how far down the scale I went and how far God's brought me back up. And because of this, I offer hope to people. And, and that's the thing about recovery. The 12th step of recovery is try to carry this message to others <coughs> like God's done. And so um, that in turn kind of gives... It's so funny, today I was looking at your pamphlet today, your bulletin, and the second scripture in there is the inspirational scripture for recovery ministry, which is 1 Corinthians um, 3 and, or no, 2 Corinthians 3 and 4, um, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, sorry, can't do that. So, so I was, I was a partier, I did, everything was about getting more drugs, getting more booze, partying, and just having a good time. Um, and just to forget about that stuff that I really felt about myself, that self-hatred, self-loathing, all those things. As a matter of fact, in high school, because um, I, I was heavy, and then I was an addict, and I used to go to high school, and I used to wear this big blue down jacket, right? So which made me look even bigger, right? But it was like, a, I don't know, it was kind of like a, a security blanket for me. And I remember walking into the high school, and I had a bunch of glass doors walking in, and I remember seeing myself walking in that school just hating myself. You know, you're fat and ugly and useless and all those things, those things that my father told me I was. So that's, that's what drove me to the Lord eventually. 
but it took a long time because I'm very stubborn and um, I like to do things my own way. So I'm from Peninsula Bible Church in Palo Alto. And so I used to also go to rock concerts a lot. And that's where it was just debauchery, right? Just the whole night of debauchery. And, um, and I still love this band called uh, ACDC. And um, they have a song called Highway to Hell. Okay, and we used to sing this thing out loud. Hi, highway to hell. What are we doing? We're singing and celebrating that I'm on the highway to hell, you know. And it didn't register at the time, but every time I hear just the first notes of that song, I'm like, oh, I cannot listen to that song. Um, but I found this T-shirt. Um, it says Jesus, the highway to heaven. But this is what the ACDC shirt used to look like, right? It used to be ACDC highway to hell. And so I got that, and I loved that shirt. So um, anyway, that's when I, I, I first, I believe that's when I first came on staff there as the recovery director. And like uh, Mike was talking about, there was Andy Burnham, who was my pastor for many, many years and mentor. And, you know, that's the other thing is that I had a lot of men speak into my life, and women too, and definitely women. I had the, the woman pastor, counseling pastor there who mentored me for a few years. and uh, She was great. She really taught me a lot of things. So it's just letting people speak into my life. And, and all of us need that. We all need people to speak into our lives. Um, and that's the only, because I am a product of many other people speaking in my life. I'm a product of this ministry. I came in and crawled in there 20 years ago, um, just hopeless and helpless. And I just ended up starting by hosting and doing these other things. And we'll get into that in a minute here. Um, so recovery ministry and God's faithfulness. And he has been faithful. There's no doubt about that. And I've seen... You know how we talk about miracles in the Bible. You'll see miracles that happen. You know, a withered leg is healed. I, we don't see that there, but we see a lot of lives getting healed. The miracles happening all the time. And in 20 years, I've seen a lot and a lot of lives change. Um, I've seen a lot also change for a minute and then go back to the way they were. Seen that a lot too, but that happens in the world and uh, the whole world too. So this is our inspiration for our ministry is this, um, these verses here. In 2 Corinthians, praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. And this is really the 12th step of, of recovery, is that what, hap- what God did for me, I'm going to offer that to other people. And that's what, that's what this ministry is about. Um, and when I did... Um, and when I was in this for a while, you know, I started to uh, just greet, greet at the door, set up t- chairs, just do whatever was needed. And then they asked me to be the host of this R&R thing. And I was a shy person. I would, you know, I was actually, that was right around the time when I started dabbling in stand-up comedy. And, you know, you would think, and I did stand-up comedy for like three years, and then I had this really bad experience one night where I just bombed, and, and I went outside, and I was like, help I was I was really distraught because I had a bunch of people come from the church but my, the guy that discipled me told me one day he said God's only really interested in our motives you know it's a, if you're whatever your job is it, it doesn't it's not like God's going to tell you exactly what to do in your vocation but he's, he's interested in who you are and what your motives are for doing things and I I, I kind of just threw that off like, yeah come on what are you talking about and but when I that day when I was doing stand-up comedy and I was distraught because I bombed, because I was so cared what the world thought of me. I was so worried about what you thought about me. 
that I went out that day and I realized that was the lesson that he taught me was at the motive. And my motives were off and I, and I gave up the stand-up at that point. Here's the, here's the funny thing is that um, now that I'm not trying to have, have people laugh, I get more laughs than I ever did trying to make people laugh. That's serious, right? It's so weird because I'm being myself. So uh, 20 years ago, they started, there was a recovery, there was a guy who was in prison. He, uh, his name was uh, Travis. And um, what happened was he was driving under the influence, got in an accident, killed a kid, and went to prison. And it was in prison where God met him. And God met him, and he, he used him mightily through that experience. And I'll tell you the story about what happened. So he came to, the, to PBC and said, asked them if he could do a recovery ministry there. And the elders met and agreed to let him try it. And we started with this R&R Recovery and Renewal. The story is that he came to PBC to give his testimony in the main church. And he went up to give his testimony and talked about killing that kid, right? And, being in, and said that he has dedicated his life to the Lord. Well, the parents of that kid was in the audience. And that's God, so God works. And they, and they came up and forgave him. And which I, How does that happen, right? It can only happen in the body of Christ. It can only happen with the Holy Spirit living inside of us, right? It's the only way. And so he's, you know, he started this ministry. Um, and actually, I was just telling Mark a story that uh, this CHP right here, it's Hewlett Packard, but there was a <laughs> PBC started, you know, in the 40s or something like that. And then there was an offshoot Central Peninsula Bible Church, and they started a recovery ministry called Higher Power HP. Um, and so Travis went and saw that over there and said, I like what they're doing here. I want to do it at Peninsula Bible Church. So he came there. The elders said, yes, let's do it. And it started, I mean, ask Mike, it was probably 10, 15 people there at the most on Friday nights. And over time, it started to grow, started to grow. Um, so we have, uh, we'll have a musicians come in. They'll play for about 45 minutes. Then we'll have somebody, um, we have announcements and things like that. And we pass out uh, recovery chips for people's, for time in recovery. And um, so we have the band. We serve a, a really good meal. We serve a full-on meal. Um, we have um, the, the band playing. Usually it's a Christian band. They can play some secular stuff. It's not all Christian, but mostly, um, you know, because this is an outreach to, to non-believers. And if all they hear is a bunch of Christian jargon and stuff, they're not going to stay. As a matter of fact, I've seen many times the message being given and five or six guys just get up and walk out because you start talking about the J word, right? You start talking about Jesus. They start to, so this is a unique thing that, that, you know, we don't deny Jesus as our higher power, but we also don't ram it down their throats because they just run because I know I would. And that's what kept me there. I got there and I thought, oh no, these bunch of Christians. And it, it wasn't my experience. Actually, the first thing I came to was the Tuesday night Bible study with Mike. And I'm like, oh, man, I know these guys are going to be all weird on me and stuff. And it's really what I was thinking. And I got there, and they were just like me. And, I was, and, and the rest is history. Then I started going to R&R and all that. So, so here's our mission statement for R&R is uh, recovering together in Christ. We seek to provide a, help, a place to help develop a foundation for your life by using the 12-step recovery principles and biblical teaching as a tool for developing an intimate relationship with God, thus allowing us to depend on his power <coughs> And his faithfulness. So here's a here's a slide of R and R, old R and R. This is how we pretty much were every Friday night. Um, can't see all the people, but it was anywhere between sixty. By the time it started growing, it was anywhere between sixty and one hundred and fifty. Uh, we usually fed like one hundred eighty, one hundred fifty, one hundred eighty. But 
by the, by the time the message came around, there was maybe 100 you know, left. Um, and, and then after COVID, COVID killed, it almost killed the ministry, but we kept it going. And I'll, I'll show you some pictures on that. So um, what else did I want to say? So I started hosting R&R, and that's when I started to grow. Um, it was just, just one of those things that God said, okay, I'm equipping you to do this, and then something else came up. Hey, Bruce, we want you to give the message. <laughs> what? You know, and that was while I was doing the, um, I was being discipled by men. They, they had these groups called, what time is it anyway? Yeah. Okay, so I got, got plenty of time. Okay, good. Thank you. Well, I'm supposed to be over at 11.15, right? Okay. Uh, what, what, uh, 11.15, 11.20. Okay, good. Yeah. Thank you. I don't want to go too long because I do talk a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so COVID happened, and we, we went dark. At R&R, we went dark for eight weeks. And then, um, so let me back up. We started R&R. We had R&R going for, I'm guessing, around three or four years. And what happened was we used to go to the veterans programs in Menlo Park. We used to pick them up and bring them to R&R. Part of the reason we had big crowds a lot of times. And a lot of times they were just there for the food or the girls. Some of the guys were there for the girls, which was very uncomfortable for the girls sometimes, you know. So we had to lay out some rules for that, right, and um, to, so that everybody was respectful to each other. So... We were doing that, and these guys would come in, and then if you've ever been around people in recovery, you start seeing the eyes start to clear up, and you start to see some life in the eyes again, and then it's unmistakable. Um, and then what would happen, these people, they'd finish their program, and they'd go back to wherever they lived, and they were back on our doorstep in about a month. They were back in the program at, at the veteran's place. And um, so what we decided was, because the original idea was, I'm all over the place here, but the original idea was to get to do this outreach, they would come in and they would integrate with the main church. That was the whole idea be- behind R&R. But that wasn't happening because the Silicon Valley, you know, Silicon Valley, it's a completely different set of people, the recovery people and the people that, the engineers and whatnot in Silicon Valley. So they weren't comfortable going there and that wasn't happening. And so that's when we started to step closer after about three years. And the idea behind step closer is as we step closer to God, we step closer to each other. And that's what started the Sunday service um, called Step Closer. Um, so here's, let me show you some pictures of R&R. So this is after COVID started. So we were dark for um, eight weeks. And then at some point we decided, hey, let's start worshiping in the parking lot. So this is in the parking lot of PVC. We, we put up a big canopy up there. So here we are in the freezing cold <laughs> Friday nights worshiping the Lord. But I really believe if we didn't do this, I think the ministry would have been finished if we didn't keep it going. So that, that's outside um, under the canopy at 7.30 at night or something like that. And then there's again. And then um, and there, there's the pastor, Andy, that, that I took over for that mentored me. Um, he's a great pastor. He's still around. He still helps me a lot. I still rely on him. He's on speed dial. So, uh, and you know what's funny is that his phone number, because I took over his office too, and his phone number is... Um, it's the prefix and everything, and then it's 9111, the recovery <laughs> pastor's phone number, right? So sometimes I'll call him and I'll go, this is me calling me. What's going on here? <laughs> it says, so anyway, uh, so Andy, he's a, he's a big jokester. So here's like one of the, so as we went back in side, here's uh, Surrender, one of our favorite bands that plays at R&R. Um, some, we have these full-on bands that come and play for us, um, and they do it, we only give them a very small honorarium. 
So they do this for the love of God, and, um, and they just love our group because they've been doing it for 20 years. As a matter of fact, this guy is one of the first guys. Uh, Bard Sherman is one of our favorites. Um, he, he, this guy's full of the Spirit. So this is what we do every Friday night. And if you see over there um, on the right, those are the steps of recovery. Um, but if you look really close, let's see, can I do this here? Last time I did this, I got in trouble. So if you see right here, um, if you look at the steps here, um, there's this recovery step, but then there's a scripture below it that, that it comes from. So believe me, the AA was a Christian, uh, it was a Christian um, organization until it got watered down a little bit. And I've done a lot of research because I was part of this thing called Came to Believe Recovery. And one of the early guys in AA talked about the early days when they had like 90 plus percent uh, success rate. Compared to today's, maybe low, less than 30% success rate. And, and it depends on what you talk about success, right? Is it a year of sobriety, five years of sobriety? But the effectiveness was, in the beginning, was unmistakable. Um, but then they started to um, kind of take Jesus back a step. Because when they did the third step, which is came to believe that a power, or, uh, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over the care of God. And in the, the 12 steps of AA says, as we understood him. Right, because they're talking past tense. They're, they're, when they write the AA book, it's, it's telling them, here's how we recovered. Here's how we found the solution. It's not some formula. It's a relationship with God. That's what it is. That's what is recovery. Because, you know, how did God's people that were addicts before the 40s and AA started happen? Through God. Through God did it still. This is just a way to get people to find a path to let God uh, lead their lives. But when they said made a decision to turn our little and our lives over the care of God as we understood him, as they understood him at that time was the God of the Bible. When they were doing third steps, they were, doing, they were accepting Christ. That's what was, that was what worked. That was the higher power of AA to begin with. And you'll get AA purists, or at least they think they're AA purists. Oh, no, that's not. No, that's, that's the truth. If you really do the research, that was the power. That was the higher power. It was the God of the Bible was the higher power of AA, why it was so successful. And I always tell people, because when I went to ALs, I wanted to do was stop drinking, stop using. That's it. I didn't want to change anything else, right? But what good is it to gain the whole world if you lose your soul in the process? So a lot of people, their lives will start to work, and there's a, there's a window of opportunity for them to find the Lord in it. But if they get past that point, it's hard for them because their life is working now, and, and they're not an addict and they're not alcoholic, but they don't, find, they don't know the Lord, and they're actually... Um, if you mention the Lord in a lot of AA meetings, they will, they will be mad at you, right? So that's why people, when they come to our meeting, they think after an AA meeting, they come to our meeting, and all of a sudden they're like, oh, my God, Jesus, I didn't know, you know. But that's the higher power. So, of course, they have to have a clip of me in there, right? Let's see. Why is it not going? Oh, I didn't bring this back down, right? Is that why? There it is. So there's me. So um, I teach in my shorts a lot, and I should have done that today because I'm sweating <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> So that's R&R, &R, and uh, that's me there. And this is my recovery director, because when I came on staff, um, the pastor, he was the pastor for, well, I was there for 15 years without a director. And so they started, they wanted to hire a director to help him. And be quite honest with you, I was the director 12 years before they brought me on staff. I just didn't get paid for it. And I had my other full-time job. But um, I became officially the, the recovery ministry director. And this is Dave. He took my place when I took Andy's place. Uh, let me rephrase that. When I, I didn't take Andy's place because no one could take Andy because I'm not Andy. And, you know, a lot of people compare me to Andy 
you know, one guy came up and he goes, you know, I just wanted to tell you that I was talking to a couple people the other day and uh, um, they were telling me how much they much better they liked Andy's teaching. And I'm like, I was thinking, okay, is that supposed to encourage me or what? I didn't sure. I didn't know. So anyway, uh, yeah. Um, so we are talking about recovery, but we're talking about the higher power is God. And, and really the 12 steps are just a way for us to to let our guards down enough to let God in our lives. That's really what it is. And then because we walk around with so much shame and guilt, addicts and alcoholics, because we've done so many wrong things and we just, it weighs us down. Um, they have a, uh, uh, an inventory process and a confession process that you do. And when you do that, this freedom happens. And when I did mine, when I did the fourth and fifth step, it was almost like I floated after that because God really showed up and the burden of all those things that weighed me down was gone, right? Um, it's, they say in the big book something like, um, we don't regret the past because the past is what's, what um, has allowed me to comfort others, is to let, allow me to tell others that they're on the same path. I've seen that. So, you know, when I have these guys come to me, they run this drag by me that I, I invented or, you know, or I, I perfected anyway, and it doesn't work because I know that. And churches are um, sometimes are targets for recovery people because churches are so giving and but you have to be real um you have to have a lot of discernment recovery people because they will manipulate you and use you even though you think you're helping them and and in actuality you could be hurting them by helping them depending on how you help them sometimes just closing the door and saying no i cannot help you is the best thing that can happen right so step closer came on the scene and uh, like i said the integration that we thought was going to happen wasn't happening so we started step closer and um like just like r and r that started out small and then it grew and then and now it's um to how it was today and before covid it was up to about 100 people um every sunday and now it's down to about 60 you know since and the va is shut down now because they're still shut down because of covid they've been shut down the whole time they opened up for two weeks the guys came and then they closed down again um, because of covid so covid really did a number on churches um and so here is step closer this is where we met the first we first started step closer there wasn't that many people as a matter of fact if you look in the middle there there is um a, a divider so when step closer started that divider was closed halfway and there was like 10 of us or something like that praising the lord right and but it grew it caught on we kept doing it got we were faithful and god was faithful to us um so this is step closer and this is about the time when i started to teach for my first time boy that was scary teaching by myself but i was equipped very well by my disciple and see if you recognize this guy right here. I think he's a Giants fan, right? Isn't that right? Is that right? No. Because, <laughs> yeah, when I first went to the Life Recovery Bible, he had an angel's hat on, and we, we argued back at, well, isn't that, a, isn't that a Florida hat right there? We'll talk about it. Okay, well, the, <laughs> anyway, and then you recognize her. There's Judy. And the gentleman on the right there, he was the outreach guy at, uh, at the VA, that was instrumental in bringing the vets in, into our folds. Um, and he, was, he would go out to the bushes and beat the bushes and ask guys if they were veterans because there's, they had, they had um, benefits they didn't know about. And they had this program they could go into. They would house them, they <coughs> education, all that stuff. It's, HVRP is, I think, the best um, program in the country when it comes to addiction and, and homelessness. Um, and then, of course, you recognize these two as well. And there's Judy and Mike. And Judy and Mike left us, what is it, 11 years ago? 2010. 
2010, and they were a huge part of our our ministry. And Mike, we, I see Mike every once in a while. I hadn't seen Judy in like 10 years. It was so great to see her. And that laugh. You guys know that laugh, right? Judy's laugh. Who doesn't know Judy's laugh? So anyway, um, this is more just like a, a, like a home slideshow, right? <laughs> but, it, you, just, you know, because really... It's not about the organization or anything. It's about life. It's about life being there. And, and we could do all the outreach we want to the community. You know, you got to come. You got to. No, it's, if there's life there, people will come. And the guy that discipled me said, if God's in it, he'll supply the money. He'll supply the means. So don't worry about it. Just, just give it to God. And, if, and if, it, if it stops working, then he's probably not behind it. Um, or you're injecting yourself too much, right? And that's the whole idea behind this is to not is to let the spirit lead us and not our flesh. Because, you know, especially in Silicon Valley, everybody thinks with their head, and we can figure this out. Whatever it is, we can figure it out. And um, we don't do that anymore. So then, after Step Closer was in that other room, they made us, a, they built us an upper room. This is why I'm so comfortable here, because that is my room on Sundays. That's where I teach most of my time, is the upper room. They call it the upper room. Upper room, so thank you. When he said we're in the upper room, I'm like, yeah. So, um, so you know, the church made this, built this this for us. They built it for us to be, to be able to be there. And so, you know, even though they still really don't know how to interact with the recovery people that well, but they've equipped us, right? And some of the recovery people will say, oh, they don't, they disrespect us recovery. No, they didn't. They, they poured a lot of their time and effort into us and their resources into us. So stop that. Um, and because there's a lot of, you know, we'd hoped at some point we could integrate the two, but it just didn't ever really happen that much. And actually, to be quite honest with you, there's been more um, coming the other way than instead of the recovery ministry going into the church. There's been more coming. You know why? Because there's life there and they see it and they see transparency. Because, you know, like if you look at the, the, the prodigal son, right? The way I looked at it, because a bunch of recovery people were saying, those people in, in the main service don't, uh, you know, they don't know what real pain is. They don't know what... But, you know, I, I, if you look at the prodigal son story, that, son, that story was told to the older son, uh, to the, to the, about the older son, to the Pharisees. He was talking to the Pharisees because they're going, how could you be with tax collectors and sinners and all this? And he tells the story about the prodigal son. And, but I, I, I realized that he's talking to them, the Pharisees, about this, saying that you're an older son. So I told the people in recovery, I'm going, okay, so if that's true, then they're more lost than we are. So shouldn't we reach out to them? Right. And that and they're like they couldn't argue with that because it's true. So we reach back and forth to each other. It's not saying that everybody um, in the main service isn't full of the spirit. But but part of it is, you know, you can go to church dressed really nice and look really good and say, how's everything? Oh, fine. And the family, but everything's falling apart in your life and you don't tell anybody. And that's the great thing about the recovery. Ministry. That's the real. I mean, that's the church of acts. Right. There was no need. They, when there was need, it was filled. That's the church. And, and in some ways. In some ways, AA is, is, is more equipped than the church is as far as integrating everybody and everybody feeling welcome. Some ways. Some ways they're not. Some ways, so we get lost. So here's, so when the pandemic hit, we, had, we didn't even have a canopy. This is the first time we, we taught in the parking lot. We just set up some chairs, put out a thing, we started teaching. Um, that was in the parking lot with no canopy. And then when winter came, that's when we did the canopy. Kind of back and forth here. And then there's our worship team there, playing. And there's one of the longtime pastors of PBC. Who was I talking to? You should probably recognize him. You recognize him? Steve Zeisler? No? Okay. Um, so that's a step closer. And um, 
and there's me. So, like I was saying before, all these vets were coming to R&R, getting clean, going back home, coming back broken and hurting again. And so we started seeing this happen over and over. It was like a revolving door. They'd come in, get clean, do good, go back, relapse, come back, go in the program, come back here, boom, boom. Just And so at some point we said, what are we going to do about this? And so we, it, we thought about opening a, a home. Um, and so we ended up going to some program down in Colorado and to find out how they do it because they had a program down there. And they told us, look, if, the, if you want to succeed, you need to grab the people that you're most likely to succeed with, which are people that have been through a recovery program, that already have a foundation, and then house them. And, that, and then, so our brother's home was born. And, and we're in the, in, the, in the planning meeting, and for some reason my hand went up, I'll be the mouse manager. <laughs> right? They're like, what? And so, yeah, and so I became the house manager. And, you know, I never had my own kids. I have a stepdaughter, but I had never had my own kids but I do now, and I've had them, and, but they're 50 and 60-year-olds, so, uh, or 40, 50, and 60. Um, and this is like probably the first round of, uh, of our people, and that's, uh, our brother's home is still there. We've leased this house for 12 years. Um, they're gonna tear the place down. We're, we're about to lose it. But here's the thing is, three times we've ha- almost been ready to close the doors. We had enough money for, because the church, it's a separate nonprofit, and the church, it's under the church's uh, pastoral umbrella, but as far as finances go, it's all donations. And so we've been ready to close the doors about three times and add like one month of money left and then boom, we got a big donation and kept us afloat. And it's been going for 14 years now. We're on our 14th year. And, and so that's the part, right? If God's in it, he will supply the needs. And, and it's just been a joy. And I, you know, by doing this, by being part of R&R, by doing Step Close has made me grow up. It has me grow. Um, to the point where I actually, someone actually decided to marry me, believe it or not. <laughs> and I got a picture of her. Because, and, and the church really brought us up as a couple. They're the ones that, you know, when we had the wedding, there was 250 people showed up at this place. It was just amazing, the outpouring of love from the church that we got, and that I didn't realize, you know. In the body of Christ, when it works the way it's supposed to, there's absolutely nothing like it in this world. Um, they will rally around you. Um, it's just, um, okay, I'm not going to weep, so I'm going to move on. Because I weep a lot. <laughs> My people know that I weep a lot. So there's the front of the house. And then, so you can see, see the guy over here on this side? The guy looks like 15, right? <laughs> but he's still, I think he's like 10 years older now, but he still looks 16. <laughs> but anyway, so these are our ragtag group. Um, that was the guy that was the house manager after me, the guy on the other end. Um, but this was, um, you know, this was something a dream of ours or a vision that god gave us and we followed it and god's provided and then uh this is us praying this i'll have to admit this is stage we did a photo op. we had a photo session and we're like you know let's look like we're studying the bible but we do that um we may, may not look that um studious normally but <laughs> we probably have our phones out or something but that was it you know so it was just trying to get the word out about um, uh, our brother's home, but it really is our brother's home. It's it's a band of brothers we call it. Um, it's it's been a real pleasure being part of it, and to see guys move on in their lives and and actually go serve the Lord in mighty ways. I've seen a lot of them do that. So you know, this is the whole gambit of this this um, ministry. So there's another set of guys. Uh, I think Rick, one of the guys, the guy that took over for Mike when he left, he made this plaque here. It's for me and my house. We'll serve the Lord, and. Um, so that's, it's been an awesome time. It's been really great to be part of it. And that's that, 
new house manager with the glasses on his head. That's Joey. When I met him, it was William, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's really Joey. I'm like, okay, I don't know why. So to this day, I'm like, okay, try to make the switch from William to Joey. Um, and then, so that's now. And so every Sunday, so these guys are required to go to r they're required to go to Step Closer, required to um, be here at the house for a Sunday night Bible study. They need to have a mentor of some kind and be in some kind of small group discipleship of some kind. As a matter of fact, <laughs> last year I did a men's discipleship group with all the guys in the house and talk about trying to keep five-year-olds on the same page. So it falls swears <laughs> and like pull it teeth, like, oh, they're just all over the place. But it's a, it's a labor of love, and, um, and we will always have that bond, me and, and the men. Um, some point we want to open a woman's home, but we've just barely been able to keep the men's home um, but but there is a need for a woman's home as well. We want to do that. And if you could pray for us. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you do. Oh, you say they need to get a mentor. Yes. Most of the mentors come from AA generally? Most of them come from the church. Because we want them to have, because, you know, if it's, they, can, they have a sponsor, which you can get from AA. Um, but really, if you're a Christian, you really want to have a Christian sponsor because they, they, don't, they have a different worldview. And, um, you know, it's not that I mean, it, well, it's big enough difference that if the Lord isn't the Lord of their lives, it's, you know, you, you might get steered wrong. So, you know, so. Um, and then, of course, my pastor married us. My, li- my wife and Lucy married us. Um, and uh, that was that was an awesome day. 11.15. Okay, I'm almost done here. Um, and then, of course, uh, Mike was talking about uh, our men's retreat or our recovery retreats. Now, originally, we started doing men's retreats. I think we did them a couple times. And then we realized, you know, we need to involve everybody in here. So we started doing co-ed retreats. And I'm so glad. It's been so much better. I mean, there is something to be said about, you know, a group of men getting together, a group of women getting together. But at some point, um, at some point, it's good to be all of us together. But, you know, think about, you know, men, all of it, you know, when they get around women, they act different. It's just the way it is. And that's what's happened. That's what I noticed, especially in recovery. They don't get they don't get as transparent. They don't. So when we minister together in intimate ways, it's usually men with men and women with women. It works much better. Um, but these retreats have been good. So this one we did. Uh, this retreat was called the Big Book and the Good Book, because if you look in the Big Book, if you look at the AA Alcoholics Anonymous book, all the ideas they're all from the Bible. They're they are definitely there's no question about it. If you just do a little research, you can find it. And if you do any historical research, you can find it. And so that's why we called this the big book and the good book. Because people say, hey, this big book is, you know, well, the, the real good, big, big book is the good book, right? Is the Bible. That's, the, that's where we get all these ideas. But the thing about recovery, it's shown people a way to find their path to God. That's what happened to me. Um, if it wasn't for AA, I mean, God could have found me in a different way, but that's how he found me through AA. And I, don't, I go to AA meetings every once in a while. But um, I have so many other things going on, I don't have a lot of time to. So here's our last retreat that we went to, um, that we had up in Mission Springs. Um, and you see, uh, well, of course, you know, we're camping, so that's why we're all wearing clothes like that. But we pretty much dress that way anyway, right? No. Um, and, uh, and you can see, it's, it, we love each other, we pray for each other. Um, I tell you, I wouldn't trade my life in for anything um, at all. Um, and then there's one of our other, re- that's the retreat. I think it's one of our first co-ed retreats. Um, just, you know, when, when I look at this picture, I just feel the love and 
and we have intimate relationships, not just like see on Sunday, oh, hi, Joe, or we need to be part of each other's lives. And that's really what's, what's made this recovery ministry work is the, is the interaction, the lives of other people pouring their lives into these guys. Um, we can be scary recovery people, um, but I'll tell you, when, when a lot of these guys, a lot of these people in recovery come alive, it's amazing what God can do in their lives. Um, but they just need to be given a chance, right? And um, Because it's easy to discount them. It's easy to look at the homeless guy down the street in shabby clothes and go, oh, I got nothing to offer him. But we do. We have something to offer everybody. And, um, and I love recovery. I will, I will do this um, for the rest of my life. I will disciple men the rest of my life because that's what was done for me, and that's what changed my life, and I'm, I want to continue to do it. Um, so you can pray for us in many, you can pray for us that we can find a new home. Uh, we're, we're trying to look for a home to lease, but as soon as we tell them, hey, we're going to have eight guys move in your house in recovery, they're kind of like, oh, that's okay, and they slam the door. Um, but, you know, we need to find somebody who ha- who's one of us who's, that has a heart for people in recovery that will open their doors. And, you know, we've almost had to close the doors three times, God always showed up, so I'm not worried. I, I'm absolutely sure God will find something for us when we need it. And it's, you know, if it's if history shows anything, it's going to be at the end of the time, <laughs> at the last minute, because that's the way God works for some reason in our, in our cases. And then that was the retreat. So now here's where the, the body of Christ really showed up. I got COVID in 2020. It was like early COVID when it was, was worse, you know. And I got COVID, and I ended up going to the hospital. I remember... I had a fever for about eight days, and then finally they said, they kept telling me, oh, just keep an eye on it. And I'm like, well, I got 102 fever. And I kept calling them, and finally they said, okay, come on in. So we come in, bring my wife with me, and they're all in hazmat suits. They meet me at the door. I'm like, oh, my God, what's going on? And they wouldn't let my wife in. And um, so I couldn't speak to my wife for a couple days when I was in there. And um, I couldn't breathe. I thought I, I, they thought I was going to die. They thought for sure I was going to die. It was almost going to put me on a respirator. And then um, they gave me that hydrochloroquine stuff and some other stuff. And, but I don't even know if it was the medication that did it. The prayers that poured out for me were unbelievable. My poor wife was over there, you know, nothing, powerless to do anything. But the church surrounded her. The pastor um, surrounded her with love and support and all that. And, um, and so on the third night, I was lay, sitting on the edge of my bed. And, and, I, was, and I was crying to the Lord. I, I could see some of the some of my pride and ego and all this stuff that was in me that I wasn't seeing, but I could see it at that moment. And I was sitting on the edge of my bed and I just started weeping for like a half an hour. I had like a puddle of, of tears on the floor. And I'm just like, Lord, I'm ready to see you, but I, I, I wish you'd give me more time with my wife. That was my prayer. And then um, I started to get better at that point. But I, that changed me. I, I, I really needed that. It really made me grow to the next level of my, into my relationship with the Lord was, facing that and, and and i was ready to go see him but i, I was but i wasn't because i wanted to spend more time in the ministry so finally when i started to snap out of it here's a picture of me uh there a little ragged looking uh it's not a rattle by the way <laughs> it looks like a rattle doesn't it <laughs> uh, but you could see the joy on my face there you could see that I, 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 there's life and I want life and I want to continue living and um, that was great. And then the picture next to it was when I got home from, um, from the hospital. So when they took me out, they took me in a wheelchair down the aisle and all the nurses and doctors were on the aisle like clapping for me because they thought I was done. They thought for sure I wasn't gonna make it. And, um, and then when I got home, there was a half a dozen people outside my house 
Um, of course, I had to wave to him from a distance. I had to bring in an oxygen tank and all that. So it took another month to actually get completely back, and I have no ill effects anymore now. Yeah, praise the Lord. And so, you know, the recovery ministry and God's faithfulness um, is, um, God is faithful. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, and no matter what happens in the world or anywhere, I know that he's faithful. I'm going to be okay. It doesn't matter what it is. And, um, and so um, in closing, I'd just like to say you could pray for us about, about a house. Just pray for um, the direction of the ministry because COVID really hit us. And we're, we're only at about 50% of the people. that. And you know, it doesn't matter the numbers, but it really matters. There's pe- more people we can reach, right? So just pray that people would see the life we have there. And, um, and I'm really thankful that you let me come here and talk about this ministry because you can, hopefully you can tell that this is, this is the love of my life, second love of my life. Third life, love of my life. I'm sorry. The Lord, my wife, and then the recovery ministry. And then I come off way at the end. Okay? Um, but I'm so blessed and I'm so thankful that Micah Judy brought us over here um, to talk to you. Um, and let me pray. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for what you've done in my life, what you've done in multiple people's lives through this ministry. That you, that's your ministry, Lord. It's not ours. It's yours. And I thank you for all the lives that have been changed through it, that you've changed through it and the friendships and the, just the, the family that you've created at, through the recovery ministry at PBC. And I pray, Lord, that um, we could, uh, that everybody um, could be, could have the experience that I've had, Lord. And uh, you, it's unmistakable that you're in the center of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you.